Hello, and welcome to Local Legends. I'm Chi, outdoor fitness coach, and I am your host. Local Legends is a conversation with passionate cyclists who impact riding in Southern California, and specifically, San Diego. Here comes my next local legend. Welcome to episode 19 with Susie Murphy. Susie has a huge impact on the trails we ride in San Diego. Her role as executive director since 2015 at San Diego Mountain Bike Association puts her on the ground in meetings and planning for years ahead. Her role is multifaceted from creating relationships with partner organizations and land managers to coordinating volunteer work and projects to get new trails in the ground or improve current trails. It's because of Susie, her team, and the volunteers at Simba that mountain bikers can enjoy some epic single track from Chula Vista to Carlsbad, all the way to Laguna Mountains. When I first launched Local Legends, Susie was on top of my list of passionate cyclists who impact riding in San Diego. I have a lot of respect for Susie, and it was a delight to have Susie as my guest. Enjoy my next Local Legend. Hello, and welcome to Local Legends with Susie Murphy. Hi, Susie. Hi, how are you? Oh, great. Thank you for, for your time. I know you're a very busy lady running the San Diego Mountain Bike Association, so thank you so much for being uh, my, my guest. Sure, happy to be here. So I know everybody knows you as the executive director at Simba, um, but I wanted to rewind a little bit um, before you started at Simba. Um, and talk to you about, or ask you about how you and the bike got started. Like how, when did you start riding and how, what's your relationship with that? Yeah. So, um, I've been riding a really long time. Uh, if I tell you how many years you may be able to guess how old I am, but anyway, I started riding pretty much in the early nineties, um, or a little bit before that, uh, just dabbling around and my, um, my daughter was born in 1992, and uh, when she was not even quite a year old, my husband, who was riding mountain bikes at that point uh, more than I was, started to ride with her in a little backpack. And so oh, well. I just was nervous, and I felt like I had to follow them. Uh, and he's, he's pretty fast, even with a kid on his back. So I had to, I, I um, just started following them, and we started doing it together. And um, uh, that's kind of where it started. And then uh, we gradually, you know, went through all different kinds of bikes as, as things evolved and started, you know, traveling and, and taking our bikes and going around. And then in 1995, um, my husband, around 1995, my husband did his first race uh, in Brian Head. Uh, and from that point on, um, then I raced a little bit after that. Um, after I had, my son was born in 96, but then I was racing in 95 and 96 and then had the other kid and then kept going with racing. So both of us raced for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, and so uh, pretty much cross country to start with, but then I started dabbling in downhill and uh, Super D was really my, my sweet spot that probably all the new riders don't even know what Super D is, but um, it was kind of the precursor to Enduro, um, mm -hmm. a longer longer format than downhill um, with maybe a little bit of pedaling. And so that was just my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that kind of morphed to Enduro. Uh, but by in, I did a couple of Enduro races, but by the time I had uh, 
decided to not race anymore. Um, that enduro was starting to take off. So, and now that Super D doesn't even exist anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, are you from Utah then? Oh no, 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 no. I'm a native San Diegan. Oh, you are. Okay, sorry. You yeah. said racing in Brian Head, so I was kind of like, we were on a second. A we were on a trip, and I signed him up and paid for the race, so he wouldn't back out of it. And oh so, no way that's yeah. so funny oh my gosh so okay so you're you, I didn't realize you were a local San Diegan so where did you go to school uh I grew up in La Mesa and I went to Monta Vista High School and awesome. uh, San Diego State and yeah really never left wow yeah you are local local and so um growing up and riding your bike I guess in the 90s um and so wh where where did you like to ride like what was your your hood Oh, I mean, I guess back in those days, we used to ride, um, let's see, we moved to Chula Vista from Ocean Beach in 1989, and so just rode our local trails here in Chula Vista a lot, uh, Sweetwater, uh -huh. uh, you know, Rancho San Diego, Proctor Valley, Otay, so all the South Bay stuff, um, but we were always going up to Queen Maca and Laguna and, and, and PQ back in the day. I mean, we used to ride... Uh, you know, PQ out of Cantina Bike Shop. This, again, people won't know what I'm talking about, but Cantina Bike Shop, which is down where north of the border is now. Uh -huh. Right up the hill before there were any houses. And that whole uh -huh. trails complex was called Intestines. Um, yep. And so, yeah, we used to ride there a lot. Um, and so, yeah, we've, we've ridden everywhere. Uh, so, yeah. That is super, super rad. All the things that you just said, like, yep, I know Super D. Yep, I know Intestine <laughs> uh, very well. And that's, that's super, I didn't, uh, this area in Chula Vista is, you know, that whole, um, and, and we'll get to that a little bit more, but you've done a lot of work out in that area as well, in Sweetwater. Yeah. Um, which is rad. Um, so do your kids still ride? Uh, well, my daughter just. <laughs> 30. Um, she regrettably has a gravel bike. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Anyway, she has a gravel bike. <laughs> um, but I think she wants to, to, to get a mountain bike too. She lives up in Oakland. So there's a lot of stuff in the Bay area. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's... Uh, and my son, you know, uh, has ridden all sorts of things, fixies and different things, but he, yeah. So they, they just don't ride, uh, you know, as much as they used to, but they still dabble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, I'm so glad I asked about your writing because this is so, so rich and, and your uh, ability and then where you rode and how it was integrated in your family and, um, and where you are, wh what you're doing now as your position. Um, what were you doing before you got the position at San Diego Mountain Bike Association? Oh, I've had um, a few different jobs. Um because I was an art history major. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, I did work in a museum for a while and I worked in a gallery as well. So I, I, I kind of did the art. What? Yeah. Oh, I kind of did the art thing for a while. And then I um, got my teaching credential because my husband was a teacher. And so I subbed for some years when the kids were little, because it's a great schedule because mm -hmm. you can work whenever you want. And so I, I, uh, got my credential finally and subbed for 10 or worked for 10 years at school, elementary school. And um, mostly, mostly because we could have the same um, vacations then mm -hmm. and we could go to races and stuff. 
and you know back in those days sea otter always followed followed on fell on spring break so we could go to sea otter for the whole week and you know mm. all of that so the schedule worked out really great so i was teaching um before i got this job i i quit teaching and was off for a couple of years um doing some other uh stuff taking care of my mom and some other things uh started to go to school for some nonprofit management uh classes and uh then um got this job yeah okay so i know i met you i i like remember the day that i met you like it was yesterday we were at a, a place off brunch of pq and we were having lunch together and that was i want to say eight ten years ago is that how long you you were there is that how long it's been or has it been more or less oh since i've been in this job yeah yeah it's set coming up on seven years yes okay so um I do want to go back and forth a little bit more because this is more, this is equally like who is Susie Murphy and, and <laughs> what is your, your role there? And I don't want to have you, you know, I mean, I, I think Sending a Mountain Bike Association is amazing. I think what you're doing is amazing. So um, and I'd like to know a little bit more about how, what's changed in the last seven years and what, when you walked in, what was it like and what, and then we'll talk more about like what's changed and what you've done there yeah well when I started um, I mean I was the first ever paid staff person so any nonprofit no matter what the mission is like when you come into an all-volunteer organization as a paid staff person there's a lot there's a lot of advantages advantages to that situation mm -hmm. and some disadvantages um, but the advantages are that you kind of have a it's I wouldn't say a blank slate but you there's nowhere to go but up right Mm -hmm. um, because if you have somebody that's getting paid and dedicated to, you know, answering the phones and, and writing all the emails and writing grant applications and all that, then obviously things are going to improve um, just as far as capacity. Um, so I started off as half time and then within a year was mm. full time and things just um, snowballed as predicted uh, pretty, pretty quickly. We were able to do, um, you know, increase capacity and the quality of events. Um, we were able to, you know, do more work, bring in more volunteers, try to organize everything. There's lots of spreadsheets involved. I'll just say that there's lots of spreadsheets. Okay. <laughs> as with, as with anything, but, um, uh, but I think, you know, the main thing for me is being available and accessible and mm -hmm. open to, you know, listening to people about, you know, what they like and what they don't like. And, um, you know, why is everything in San Diego so hard and like mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. So, um, but, uh, so when I started, uh, you know, I had to work closely with the board, mm -hmm. uh, those like growing pains and transitions, um, setting up a lot of systems. Uh, we, when I first started, we were a chapter of IMBA. And so mm -hmm. actually some of our admin was, um, was taken care of uh, through IMBA, through their like member database, basically, uh, and payroll and stuff. Even though mm -hmm. Stimba was me, the payroll went through IMBA. So as we went through, and some people may remember, we we left IMBA a couple years after I started for various reasons. Um, uh, most of all, because as a larger organization, we were just sending way too much money uh, out of state, which didn't make sense. Um, Got it. We weren't getting the we weren't getting any return on that investment really at all. So. Um, that's another whole story. It's another, <laughs> but, 
We're back as an affiliate of Imba. We love Imba. I, you know, I talk with Dave Weens on some projects all the time. So uh, everything's cool. Um, we, uh, when that split happened, we had to do a lot of just organizational work. Um, so we had to redo our website. We had to find a platform like any nonprofit would use that would handle donations and the membership mm -hmm. stuff and um, all, you know, all the really super fun stuff that, you know, the business side of it, just the process, mm -hmm. the, you know, all of that. Um, so it was a lot of work um, to get all that lined up and it's still a lot of work. Um, you know, the admin side of stuff, admin never stops, you know? Mm. Um, so uh, anyway, that's kind of where it's where I start where it started, and we had legacy events like the Ar Archipelago ride that um, obviously haven't stopped except for the COVID thing. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, Arc Ride is is awesome. This past year was the biggest ever and the best ever, people say. Um, mm -hmm. And we were able to invent the Mount Laguna Trail Fest, uh, which is coming up here, and a couple of other events, and we're still kind of coming out of the. The COVID um, situation and hoping next year to bring back um, another, I'm not going to, uh, just a little piece, another very well-loved local uh, event that I was involved with that fell off the map and we're going to try to bring it back. So that's exciting. Well, just in case, I just want to rewind a second um, with IMBA, in case people are not familiar with that, um, mm -hmm. what does it stand for and, and who so are it, they? Yeah, IMBA is the International Mountain Bicycling Association and mm -hmm. they're national organization that has chapters and affiliates uh, of trail organizations all around um, the country and uh, some international uh, uh, groups as well. And mm -hmm. so they're, they have evolved a lot in the last seven years as well. Um, awesome. Some based on, you know, organizations like us leaving and offering suggestions and saying, hey, we'll, we'll come back and support if you can adjust some, you know, some things. Uh, which, you know, they've, they've worked hard on and um, uh, they kind of changed their organizational structure. And they're really focused on um, their government affairs uh, and legislative people are really working at a high federal level on like, you know, Forest Service issues and BLM and Bureau mm -hmm. and, and all those kind of things. And it's helpful for us. Like, I can't keep track of all that stuff. Right. So it's helpful <laughs> To have somebody working at a high level that that um, you know summarizes those efforts, and then we can say, yeah, we support that, or why is it like that, or you know, so uh, that's Imba. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask you about other people that you work with um, outside mm -hmm. your organization, but so let me just make sure that I'm on the right page because I, I I see your website. I go and we, I support some some of the events you do. When I think of Sending a Mountain Bike Association, I feel like you guys are the voices for bikers and and improve the use of trails and making them, I don't want to say legal or mm -hmm. um, helping to expand the trail system, like the one that you did from Black Mountain ball fields all the way to, you know, Black Mountain, like that trail mm -hmm. system is just amazing. <laughs> is that, uh, is that in a nutshell who you guys are or is there more to it? No, so so um, our mission is to improve uh, trail access for mountain biking in San Diego County. It's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. uh, that, of course, like any mission statement, you dive underneath and there's a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> um, we are mainly a trail advocacy organization and a conversation okay. 
that I have frequently with people is they see us, you know, pop up a tent uh, at PQ or at the bike, Sweetwater Bike Park or something. And they're like, oh, we want to go on your rides. Like they think we're just like, or what are your races? Like, when are your races? It's like, no, <laughs> we don't. Uh, we, we don't do races. You know, you can go to Quick and Dirty. You can go see Victor for the races and he's yeah. awesome. Um, but, uh, while we do some events and we do have guided rides, uh, we are mainly an advocacy organization. So what that means is we, um, we endeavor to create relationships with partner organizations and then all the land managers, federal, mm -hmm. state, local, to, um, have them understand uh, that trails are really important and trails are infrastructure and they need to be provided with resources and the will to make them better. And, uh, that includes, you know, maintenance and signage and like, you know, all those things. Uh, and hopefully at some point, you know, projects to get new trails in the ground, um, mm -hmm. connect connections that make sense. Um, developing trails in areas, um, that may, only have like like ranch roads uh, and you know ranch roads and fire roads are not trails. I mean, I if I had a nickel for every time I had to tell a land manager, you know, fire roads are not trails. I'd be a rich nonprofit. But <laughs> oh, you know, so fire wow. roads are trails. But the the problem in San Diego is that the public lands that get acquired, such as Mission Trails, such as um, PQ, such as mm -hmm. every Morgan Ranch, uh, Cuyamaca State Park, they're mostly old private ranches, right? And thus they have ranch roads or they have fire roads or access roads, daily ranch, perfect example, right? The single tracks are, are kind of an afterthought. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and the, the land managers rely on those fire roads for fire access, for emergency access, for driving, whatever. But, but we just try to say single tracks are the experience that people are after, and that's what we want to work towards. Um, and the planning for in any agency, federal, state, or local, takes forever. Uh, but we have to be in on the ground floor, you know, and some, some plans in town have been, you know, over a decade uh, in the works, some even longer than that. Um, but Advocates Way that worked with SDMBA back when it was all volunteer, you know, since 1994, you know, have been trying to insert language in some of these plans so that single track trails will be there. Yeah, well, amen to that. I mean, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, okay, so you said something, I was going to ask you more about it, but you said something about like, how long this takes in the process. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was working at Intuit, that's where I first met you. And I would go to these meetings about keeping trails open. And I think I walked out in tears one time because <laughs> it felt like nobody was listening, even though people were standing up and speaking. Um, how do you, I'm sure you use a lot of numbers and, and metrics to provide, but how do you keep yourself calm in a way to make your point and how do you not walk away from stuff that, you know, that seems like it takes forever? Um, um, I, just... I think, I, think um, I was just telling somebody this the other day, um, the advocates that I work with here locally who have done it for a long time, um, and then the advocates I work around the state and even people that I've met through IMBA, um, we're like kind of a similar personality. Like mm. it's a combination of, of really passionate about the mission, 
really passionate about trails and mountain biking, but also you have to be a little bit politically minded and mm -hmm. you have to um, be really persistent and really stubborn. And you can get upset in private. Probably mm -hmm. <laughs> not, you have to moderate that passion if you're speaking publicly in a meeting, right? But then you have to um, behind the scenes sort of uh, you know, work your contacts, whether it's a, you know, staffer in an elected official's office or, you know, going, going over somebody's head. Like if you're working with a certain agency and you're just not getting anywhere with the person who is supposed to be working with you, you have to know, like, when do you go over that person's head without like, without like ruffling all the feathers. Right. So, so I just, the personality of a trail advocate, and I hope that I am, you know, effective or one of those people is that I'm really patient and I, and mm -hmm. I, and for me is maybe it comes from mountain biking with my kids or working, you know, with getting so many people into the sport or, um, you know, working with the high school race teams or whatever. Like I see the vision of, of mountain biking being a, a pastime that a lot of people can enjoy. And if those of us that are advocates don't work on this stuff now, like mm -hmm. stuff's even worse in 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. Like these plans, like the plans that we have been working on for a long time that call for new trails and new single track trails, even here in San Diego, you know, I might, I might not get to ride them. I mean, yeah, I have my new e-bike sitting here, but like, I, you know, <laughs> I, I might not get to ride them or I might not get to ride. I might not be able to jump at a bike park that gets built in, you know, I don't know, years from now. Right. I'm going to, maybe be too old, but that's, you say that. but, um, you know, I don't really care about that. I'm not doing it for me. I'm not, okay. doing, I'm not doing it for me. And I think that's the common thread of so many of us, anybody that advocates for anything, right? You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your kids, for your grandkids, for, you know, your neighbors, for, you know, I work for people. I live in Chula Vista. I want stuff for people in Carlsbad. I want stuff for people that live in Pine Valley. I want stuff for people that live, um, you know, uh, in Rancho Bernardo. Like, I don't, I'm, I, I like to think that I'm here to help as much as I can. And it's not about me. Mm. Wow. That's great. Okay. So that I can see that, that type, that's beautiful that you're like, I have, you have the tools to stay calm and collective. You're got the goal. You are, you know, that pers persistence and patience pays off in the long run, even though, you know, you may not see the, the fruit of your labor right away. Um, there's yeah. bigger goals. Um, total sidetrack here. You're definitely mountain bike specific single track. How has graveling affected your mission or not at all? <laughs> Sorry. I'm just curious. <laughs> graveling. Is that a verb now? Graveling. I like it. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, growing like everybody knows i mean we um i jumped on the bwr train um s several years ago more than several years ago um just by asking them if i could have a booth at one of the events mm -hmm. uh, back in the day when it was at lost abbey and mm -hmm. so there and met michael marks and and figured he you know he's kind of uh he's the major player and so um i i um have a lot of friends who are gravel riding. I meet people, I'm meeting people all the time who are jumping from, you know, riding just on the road to the gravel. And now they say they're just riding gravel because they don't want to be with the cars anymore. 
like all of that stuff. And I think it's, it's an interesting group. Um, they're kind of divided. People are always so amazed how the <laughs> cycling, uh, cycling community is divided in all these little niches, but even me to grab to gravel riders, they're divided a little bit into people that are mountain bikers who have taken to gravel riding. Right. And they, mm -hmm. a lot of them are longtime riders. They know the trail etiquette. They know, um, you know, where they can go and they're finding these, you know, San Diego is really gravel um, friendly because there's so many truck trails and different things out in the East County where you could just, where vehicles go, like you could ride and ride and ride and ride and ride, right? Mm -hmm. so much. That's why, I think that's why it's so popular here. Um, but the other group um, of people um, uh, are the roadies who are going to gravel and they are bringing, um, uh, you know, just that different kind of um, passion to the trails. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to um, have them um, understand the sensibility of trail etiquette and slowing down and, you know, not being on Strava all the time and just <laughs> saying, saying hi to people and slowing down around staging areas and just, you know, um, I wish there was an easier way to, um, for me to make them understand how important their first impression is on other trail users when they come up so fast. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's, you know, I, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's getting people out in some of these dirt roads, like I talked about that are very, not very traveled, like the, up in the forest and, and out, uh, towards, you know, Sutherland and Ramona and black Canyon and all that stuff. Like, yeah, there's a pair mm -hmm. of gravel, Right. So yeah, it's, it, yeah. Yeah. So being involved with BDR, are, as we have over the years, we're, you know, been their charity partner now for a few years. Uh, and, you know, I get up and talk in front of their, you know, they have their dinners and their events and they're super fun and get up there and talk. And just, I can say, you know, Hey, this is what we do. We're the San Diego mountain bike association. You guys should get involved and understand like, um, you know, the opportunities and impact that you have on our community and all of that. So I, I welcome the opportunity to talk to them. Yeah. Because I, it's, I, I know a lot of, um, a lot of people who ride gravel it, do use your trails or trails, but use trails that you helped create um, and put out there. Um, <laughs> like you said, a lot of people, like myself, I was a mountain biker first, and then I found gravel. Yeah, and it's kind of a fifty-fifty for me. Um, for the most part, I can use my gravel bike almost as a single track, but there's some that you're like, I would much rather ride this on my mountain bike. Oh. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, that's, yeah, not my trails though. I don't have any trails. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I realized as I said that, I'm like, that's not the right way to say it. Um, Simba's trails. I'm like, we don't have any trails. We work with the land managers who own the trails. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So, and then you mentioned new trails. Um, tell me about the pump track though. You guys are creating pump tracks. Is that, am I not correct? Is we we don't own any bike parks either. Uh, okay. We are not in the park running business or the or the you know land ownership business at all. People sometimes assume that we own land or uh, we don't. Um, so we have advocated for over a decade, uh, and this is again volunteers and um, stakeholders way before my time here at Stimba to get some bike parks in the ground uh, in San Diego. And that's, uh, you know, finally started to happen with Sweetwater Bike Park um, that opened mm -hmm. in 20. 
and uh, then, um, well, actually, Pacific Highlands Ranch, which has really turned into more of a skate park, unfortunately, because it's cement-based, uh, which, you know, we were not that involved in that one. That's a City of San Diego project, uh, but it was kind of, that was really the first sort of pump track in the ground in San Diego. Can you say, only could you cut out a little bit, oh. I'm curious what that, what you said, yeah. Pacific Highlands Ranch pump track. Oh, the you one know, off the 56. Yeah, the cement-based one. Yes, okay. Yeah. That's really turned into more of a skater place, unfortunately. It was meant to be bike only, but the city was unwilling to uh, uh, try to follow those rules, even though it was their idea. It's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. I'm just great for the skaters. They love it. Um, <laughs> the occasional bike that gets in there. But we were really after, like, dirt-based uh, you know, pump tracks that were made for bikes only. Um, and I don't, I don't care if they're BMX bikes or mountain bikes or dirt jumpers. I don't care. You can, you know, I, whatever. Uh, it's super fun. Um, it's always a challenge, uh, because we're, we're encouraging the County or the different, uh, city jurisdictions to, um, consider bike parks and pump tracks as an amenity that they can plan into any new park that they're planning or put into an existing park for really, as things go these days, not a whole lot of money uh, and a, just a big return for the community. Um, and so, you know, they're super popular all across the country. San Diego, in my opinion, because I, I go to bike parks everywhere we travel. I said, if there's a bike park, I'm like, we got to go see the bike park. I got to go check it out and see see what they're doing. And, you know, so I've been to lots of bike parks and um you know, some are better than others. It's very challenging because uh, the city, the cities and the counties have to go through their process, just like you would have to, con you know, put out an RFP to build, a, you know, a playground or a softball field or whatever. It's the same process, right? You have to put it out for bid for a designer, and then you have to mm -hmm. put it out for, bid for a builder. And there's only so many quality bike park builders in the country. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into the list, but we know who they all are and, mm -hmm. some are and others. And it's been, you know, it's, it's always a challenge because we're just the advocate. We're just saying we want the best product, right? We want the best thing that we can get for the, the money that you have to spend um, and trying to navigate them through how to literally like helping them. How do you phrase the RFP, right? The, the bid, like, you have to say certain things because we don't we don't want like, you know, Joe Schmo's grading coming in to build a bike park when they've never done it before. That's ridiculous. Right. So it, it, it's a challenge because they can't, the jurisdictions have a certain way of doing their bidding process and and it's it's hard. And we just try to try to steer things in the right way so that the the right designer and builder can work together. But it's a challenge. Yes. So so Sweetwater one, as an example. That mm -hmm. one's complete. I've seen lots of videos and pictures yeah. of it. Is that yeah. one that you feel was done? And I don't want um, you, I don't want you to <laughs> say anything you don't need to say, but is that one that you think went well? Um, I think the build went pretty well. Devin Schneider, who did, uh, was the subcontractor for the grading is a, a freaking genius. He's an oh. artist. He's, he's amazing. He's local. Uh, he's done lots of uh, a pump track and bike park. Um, and I, I, it's just brilliant. We always knew that maintenance of that was going to be a beast, and it ha it is. But we um, we worked with the county last year to resurface the pump track 
and the jump lines with this slurry technique. I don't need to get into the technicality, but um, we've we've got it wired. Uh, we attempt to work with the county to show them like how this process works. Um, and it's best it, to do this when we shut the park down for two or three weeks and we just do it all at once so nobody's riding on it to mess up the surface. Um, and this is a technique that Tyler Brown at the BMX, the local BMX tracks has used and it's just, it works great. It's, a, it's really labor intensive, um, but it works great. And so now we just need to, the, the flow trails at Sweetwater have um, uh, sustained a lot of use and a lot of love. And so this fall, we're hoping that we're gonna get um, we're going to get out there to resurface the, the flow trails. And then the theory is, as you build up these layers and layers of uh, new, of resurfacing, the less you have to maintain it, right? Because oh, it gotcha. it's like a, it's, I mean, it's almost, it's like cement almost. I mean, it looks like dirt, but it's really, really hard. And the riding surface is actually really gritty and nice. Like it really grabs your tires um, in a good way. Yeah. And so it's been an ongoing learning process uh, of the maintenance of that park, but I mean, we wanted it to be dirt-based. That's the point. But if you have a dirt-based park, even if it's treated with, um, you know, soil stabilizer, it still needs lots of maintenance, lots of maintenance. Yeah. So, and but no skateboarders. Oh, no. Nope. <laughs> no pegs. No pegs on the BMX bikes. And yeah, everybody wear a helmet. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. So uh, I didn't realize how much uh, that how, again, I always thought you put together the pump truck where you're helping be like helping give the tools to the city to build the right stuff for the people. Um, yeah. And you said you, you go around and you go look at other places um, where you see pump tracks. What's a place that you've been to that you're like, this was a really well done pump track. I'm sure there's multiple, but just, you know, off the top of your head. A pump track is just one element of a bike park. Sometimes mm. a municipality might just put in a pump track. So like the ones in Temecula, the asphalt-based ones, of which I think they have three now, um, that's a little bit different experience. And those um, those parks, when I've gone, there's been bike riders and skateboarders and scooters and everybody getting along. It's great, uh, apparently. Um, those have been really popular. Uh, and, you know, then there's dirt-based ones uh there's one in bellingham that's a dirt-based uh pump track bike park area i mean they're all different flagstaff mm -hmm. you know but the, the the pump track really is just one one component of a bike park and some some bike parks like sweetwater has flow trails a pump track and three jump lines right and you know the pump track is popular but the jump lines are always the most popular jump lines are the thing that's what everybody and my perception is Everybody wants jump lines. Everybody wants to jump. That's cool. So. That's cool. I did not realize that. So thank you for clarifying that the pump track isn't the thing. It's actually a bike park and the pump yeah. track's inside of that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Super, super cool. Um, I was looking on the, your website about your what you guys have accomplished. Do you have like numbers off the top of your head of how many volunteers and find, uh, volunteer hours go in in a, in a year or roughly? Yeah, we do. Our annual reports are on our website over the last several years. So those numbers are all in there. Um, I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, but generally, I mean, we're kind of still building up after COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, I hate to keep saying that, but, you know, after COVID, like we're still we're still in the throes of, of regathering up our, you know, volunteers we've had for a long time and bringing in new people and still really getting a lot of volunteer events on the ground. Like even this last winter, um, 
we do most of our trail work in the winter because the temperatures are cooler and we don't want to kill our volunteers. Um, and so uh, this last winter, we were still, some of the jurisdictions were still kind of like, oh, we can't have volunteers. Oh, we're, you know, we're so short staffed, we can't help. And sometimes we, you know, with some of our places we do work, we don't need staff to be there. Like we'd really, we can, places where we've been working a long time, we don't have to have staff there, but some of the places they want to have a ranger there and then that gets hard scheduling wise. So we're still coming out of all of that. And all the agencies and jurisdictions are still so short staffed. They're all hiring. If anybody wants a job, like <laughs> forest service is hiring, the county's hiring, state parks are hiring. The more mountain bikers we can get in on, on, you know, some of these ranger jobs and, and planning jobs, that'd be great. Um, but, uh, uh, I would say, you know, in a, well, is there a normal year anymore? I mean, by the time we add up our, our volunteer hours for this year, we'll probably end up with like around 250 or 275 like active volunteers. And then probably, I don't know, uh, if I was to guess like seven or 8,000 hours, which is, yeah. which is much lower than it was before COVID, right? As much, those are lower numbers. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. So, whoops. Um, so you have you rely, um, your the the advocacy on a lot of volunteer work in addition to working with other organizations. Is that right? Yeah. So our volunteers uh, do a lot of different things. There's some people who like to volunteer at events. There's some uh, people who like to do like some boring admin stuff that I have. There's <laughs> Some volunteers who like to um, obviously do trail work, which is really the number one thing. Um, and some, and we find out, you know, volunteers that have been working with us for a long time, we find out who's good at, you know, woodwork, who's good at the bridges, which there's work going on today, right now, as we speak on a bridge that everybody's really going to love. I won't talk about it until we post the pictures, but it's going to be amazing. So I have volunteers out there right oh, now. Oh, good. And they're <laughs> all my they're all my woodworker guys right and so you find out like who's done trail work in other parts of the country who's good at um you know knowing uh a certain area like if we have a trail liaison at daily ranch right he's daily ranch is his place he has a good relationship with the rangers he knows every trail he knows the priorities of work that he'd like to get done so he talks to the ranger like really for us the the volunteers that are most effective are the ones that are passionate about a certain park or area. They get to know the ranger and they, ha they have, you know, want to help the park. And they, uh, with our support for tools and logistics and getting volunteers, they um, work with the land manager to get these work days uh, underway. That's really the most effective way for us. And for the volunteer who's the like trail liaison for the area, say like for Daily Ranch, that's his, that's his passion, right? That's his area, it's his neighborhood, it's the place he rides all the time. And so it's very gratifying when people can find a niche and we're always looking for people. Like if you, um, we have li liaisons around, but uh, you know, we're always looking for people who are passionate about a certain area or the trail near their house who want to help. Um, Chula Vista is a great example of that down here, um, even though I live here, but I'm not the main, <laughs> you know, I just, I have some passionate, passionate people down here who like to help. Um, yeah. Um, does that answer your question? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to sh have you share, because I, I know this is mostly driven by volunteer work. It simply was all volunteers, as far as I was aware, before 
and then your position is a unique position, um, but that this is driven um, by people and for the people. And so to have the volunteer and the financial support. And, yeah, financial support, of course, you know, we're a membership organization, only $39 a year, super easy to join. So, I mean, that membership, uh, individual donors, corporate donors, all of that, that's another subject. Um, uh, but I think that, um, you know, the other time that volunteers are really, really, really important is when we have a call to action and there's, say, a city council meeting or a county meeting or whatever, public comment period on something, you know, that we need people to send in an email. Like, that's when we have to rally everybody to say, hey, like, you know, if you comment publicly about how you enjoy mountain biking in this area and there's potential for for a project or budget uh, you know, budget consideration or whatever, that's when it's really helpful. You know, or if I can get people to come and stand up in front of a city council to talk about how they want a bike park or, or they want more trails, like that's, that's the really most powerful thing. And, you know, I know that it's not everybody's bag to go sit in a meeting and wait for your turn and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, <laughs> it, it's really certain people who are willing to do that for their community, say they, if they live in Carlsbad or they live in, um, you know, in Santee or, or uh, here in Chula Vista. I mean, we've, I, my guys have gone in front of the city of Chula Vista council many times and it's paying off, you know, it's paying off. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. That's, so that, that's great. No, that's, yeah. and that's what I was uh, referring to initially when I said, I, I remember standing up in front and talking and I think it's kind <laughs> of an interesting process to be part of, to realize what is happening and, you know, all the, I mean, um, it, and just to mention too, so there's myself um, as executive director full-time. And then we also have Ben Stone, who's been our trails coordinator, uh, paid on staff full-time for, oh gosh, like um, five years now. Uh, he was a board member. He was a board member previously. Um, and now he's full-time staff. And then we have Alex Oleta, who's our communications and marketing person as well. And then this last season, we had a seasonal um, trail specialist to help Ben. Uh, Michael Uppencamp, the, some of you might know him. He's terrific. Um, he had to go back to school up to Humboldt, silly. I'm like, why do you have to go back to school? <laughs> and he's terrific. And he, um, uh, but you know, he's going to school for land management stuff. Like, so maybe he'll be a ranger or a decision maker someday. That'll be great. Um, and so we're, we're gearing up. We'll probably post another job in September here for another seasonal and depending on how um, budget things fall, we might even hire a second uh, trail seasonal uh, to help. We have a lot of projects lined up, so we'll awesome. see. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so um, this is all really, really super cool to hear the back, the back of what's going on. I know it's gonna be a tough question to answer, but what are you most proud of in the last seven years while you've been there that you've seen come to fruition or perhaps even a small win that you're just like, you know, that you drive by and you're like, that's awesome. <laughs> um, well, I, I think it's kind of a two prong question, right? Cause you have all the organizational nonprofit wonky stuff, you know, just like building the capacity of the organization. And then you have like the projects, like the trail stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll answer it in two parts. So organizationally, I just think that we've been able to increase um, our membership, um, the capacity, the amount of grants we get, um, and just the relationships we have with the various land managers to try to get things done. 
and inserting ourselves in so many places that I, I couldn't even list. I'm sure it's on a spreadsheet somewhere, but um, you know, all the projects that we've inserted ourselves in that again, may not come to fruition for another decade, but you know what? Trails are in there. Trails are in plans. So awesome. anyway, just that capacity stuff I think is, is uh, I'm super proud of. And that some, you know, when I move on from this job, hopefully the next person can just, um, you know, build on the things that we've tried to improve here. Mm -hmm. um, so that, and then um, I think that as far as trail stuff, um, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk about new trail and, you know, in other parts of the country, new trail, like, you know, somewhere in Nevada or Utah, they're like, oh, we just built a, you know, 30 mile new trail system. It's like, oh yeah, that's great. Like here we have to admit like in feet. So it's frustrating, but I'd say, um, and some, you know, a lot of this started before my time and, um, you know, Matt Bartelt, who's our uh, board president right now has, you know, he lives right at the base of Black Mountain and he calls it, you know, his mistress is Black Mountain. And the work that he's done and that I have gotten to be involved with since I started the job, the trails that you talked about from the ball mm -hmm. fields like the Awi and Lilac um, up to Miners and then at the top like Manzanita and, and the Connectors, um, a little black loop and Roadrunner and uh, and Black Widow too. Like all of those would not have happened um, without Matt being involved. And I'll, I'm happy to ride on his coattails um, because if mountain bikers hadn't been at the table when Black Mountain was taken over as an open space, there wouldn't be any of that there. There, there there's no hiker that's going to come in and say, "Oh, we should look at a map and plan a trail system and it'll be fun." And nobody, you know, nobody's going to do that except the mountain bikers. So I'm really, pr I'm proud of Black Mountain because it really, um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have called it a blank slate. I mean, there was some old Jeep trails and some trails up there, but nothing that was really uh, connecting or coherent. Uh, and it still has tons of potential. We still have a lot of trails in the plans that are coming close to where we can put shovels in the ground that'll be even more connectors down into the neighboring um, communities. So that's awesome. So I like Black Mountain. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, Black Mountain has a lot has a lot going on, um, and then um, I think Appendix Trail. Are you familiar with Appendix? Mm -hmm. It's just a little tiny thing, but that's why it's called Appendix. Um, uh, it's only half a mile long. It's up off a of Del Vino Court on Del Mar Mesa. Um, you know, and we talked earlier, like we used to ride intestines out of Cantina all the time, um, and heading over towards that area that's now all houses. Um, that's why we called it appendix, you know, because it's like the last vestige of, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the name of the trail. When I heard about it, I was like, that's fitting. I mean, the guys, um, and it, the, the guys wanted to call it colostomy and I, I put my foot down. I said, no, we're going to call it appendix better. Anyway, so that little trail, um, while it's only half a mile long, symbolized a lot of different things. Um, that trail planning happened a little bit before my time, but then we actually built it the first spring that I started this job. Um, and we had uh, some help from uh, IMBA trail care crew came out and we had like a whole weekend where we had done some preliminary work on trimming the corridor and obviously all the planning and the walking it with the biologist and marking it all. But there was one weekend where we worked Saturday and Sunday and with, you know, we had 40 to 60 volunteers out there both days and we finished that whole trail, you know, half a mile of trail, all hand built. And, and the thing that I like about that trail the most, well, two things. Um, one thing is that since it was built in 2016, 
relatively no maintenance on that trail because it was very well designed and the grades are super sustainable. The only time there was a problem is when a sprinkler broke on the bank <laughs> and that was not our fault. So we had to go fix the sprinkler damage. Um, but the other thing that I like about it is that that was a project that we worked on with Party Homes. So Party Homes is built a bunch of the houses up there, bless their hearts, right? So working with a developer, with some people don't don't like that we do, but we did it anyway. The original plan for that trail around that little section of houses was going to be one of those, you know, 12 foot wide DG pathways with a peeler log fence along the edge. You know what I'm talking about? Those awful Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The ones like Delvino, like, you know, the big wide pathways. They're great. Yep. You're, you know, if you're a casual runner or a, or a, you know, walking or baby stroller or whatever, like those paths are great, but they're not trails, they're community pathways. So we talked Pardee Homes into letting us build a single track. And they said, that's rad. And people don't know, you know, I mean, we have it on our website, but people don't, you know, people don't look, but that, I mean, even though it's a half a mile trail, that was a huge win to keep that single track that way. Yeah, and, so I, and I, I think that's yeah. great that Party Homes listened to you guys. And I think the great addition to the trail system and hopefully that they may consider doing more like that. Yeah, they yeah, we already, there's a second one that we built up in Pacific Highlands Ranch that's a mile long. Um, it's called Tony's Way. That's not the official, it's called Tony's Way on um, Strava, I think, or on Trail Forks. It's a mile long, but similar, uh, similar thing. And that was party homes as well. They said, we want a trail here. Can Stimba build it? And it's again, not a community pathway. It's a single track trail. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I, I do recognize that. I think I wrote it when it was still getting built. Like I was looking for yeah. it, but um, that's excellent. Um, so just kind of like to, to cause I, I know how you were when you started, what you've done, who you work with. Um, and there's a lot of things coming down um, down, the, I don't want to say the pipeline, but are coming up, it sounds like, uh, events and trails. What do you see coming up next in the horizon um, with uh, San Diego Mountain Bike Association? And, or what would you like to see um, mm. before you leave your role? I don't know when you're leaving. It's, you mentioned <laughs> that, but... <laughs> uh, but there's um, always so much going on. Um, we have a lot of work lined up with, um, the city, uh, not to get into, you know, too many specifics, but, uh, work at Black Mountain that it involves new trail work at Penasquitos that involves new trail, um, work, uh, where else, um, down here in Chula Vista, um, potentially bringing some, um, additional trails like legacy trails uh, into the system officially. Mm. Um, that's, I mean, that's a other whole part of it, right? There's so many social trails or unsanctioned trails, we call them. We don't call them illegal. No trail is illegal. Well, we just call them unsanctioned um, okay. because that, that provides the, um, you know, there is potential to bring them to be sanctioned sometime, hopefully. Um, so that's, it's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother thing. Uh, uh, difficult. Um, it can happen though. It can happen. Um, yeah. And it already has happened. It's happened here in Chula Vista and it's also going to happen up in Mount Laguna. 
Um, so I would say the biggest thing that we have on the horizon right now, although it may be another year before we have shovels in the ground, maybe sooner, is that we're working through to get final approval on this uh, Laguna Mountain Trails restoration project. And we've been working on that plan for six years with the Forest Service. And it just closed a, a limited public comment period. And we're hearing so far that all the comments were pretty positive. So that's exciting. Um, we get a lot of pushback sometimes from um, local conservation groups mm. who, um, I, I don't need to get into that too much. Again, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the comments for this project have been reportedly very positive. And that project uh, will involve years of work to implement because it involves, um, it involves new trails in Mount Laguna in the recreation area. So new trails, uh, some reroutes of things that just really don't make sense or need to be better and more sustainable. Um, fixing some issues uh, in the meadow where things are always wet, like a couple of boardwalks or long bridges to keep people mm -hmm. out of the meadow uh, muddiness. Um, and then um, to me, the most exciting part uh, is that trails like uh, on Wooded Hill, if you're familiar, um, Wooded Hill is super popular. Um, but right now, the only way really to get up, well, there's two ways, but the way most people go up is an interpretive hiking only trail. And you get to the top and then ride down a trail that most people call the luge, although it has like six names. So don't, don't, <laughs> don't, it has other names, but I'm just going to call it the luge. That currently is an unsanctioned trail. So that mm -hmm. plan um, calls for a new climbing trail, which would pr pretty much be for mountain bikers only. So a nice, sustainable, fun climb up to the water tower and then bringing the luge trail into the system. And it would be, Got it. it would be directional mountain bike optimized trail on the forest. I server, love it. That is, is so exciting. We've worked, we've worked so hard on the language that's in the project and on making not only the forest service, but other stakeholders to understand the need the need for this type of trail, this type of riding. I mean, right now, Gatos, you know, we all know is recommended directional downhill, the fun way. Uh, some people still insist on coming up it. Don't do that. Go down Gatos. <laughs> Go up and down Gatos, please. But um, anyway, uh, and then the new trails up there, because people will, if I said new trails, the new trails are mostly, um, the big sections are from Penny Pines, so the top of Noble. Uh -huh. Penny Pines to Pioneer Mail, uh, which mm -hmm. is the aging area north, and then from Pioneer Mail to Lucky Five, which is over across on state park property. So it would require a partnership between state parks and National Forest Service. Um, but the, the point of that trail on the west side of the highway is not only will it be fun and beautiful, is that it'll keep people off Sunrise Highway, which is super dangerous, mm -hmm. uh, keep cyclists off the PCT. Mm-hmm. Anyway, love so it. it. I love it. It's a huge project. It's a total of almost eight miles of new trail and then all these, you know, reroutes and infrastructure and new signage also, uh, all new comprehensive signage. Uh, so it's a huge project. Super excited. Well, thank you for, for sharing all that good stuff. I obviously it's not like a uh, secret, but it's so cool to hear all that you've put into it, the thought process. I mean, the fact that you're like the wording and, and what you're saying, I, 
I know you're only giving us a glimpse of what you do and the time <laughs> and the energy and the number of people I can only imagine are hundreds of people or hundreds of hours. So um, that sounds so rad. So, so this Mount Laguna event, it's coming up pretty soon. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what to yeah. expect? Yeah. So the Mount Laguna Trail Fest, this is our um, COVID makes me lose track. Um, it's our fourth one, 18, 19. Yeah, I think it's our fourth one. Missed, missed a year there. Uh, but um, it is a multi-day event uh, up at Mount Laguna at El Prado Campground, which is just uh, next to Mount Laguna Campground. And, uh, you know, two nights of camping and three days of riding and uh, some food provided for people. And this year, their presenting sponsor is Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. So you know what that means. <laughs> uh, we'll have uh, REI there and uh, ride, like, uh, ride Like Ninja coaches and Sprock Kids for all the kids activities and um, lots of sponsors. We have five bike demo companies now coming. Um, if I try to list them, I'll probably forget one, but uh, uh, cool. let's see. Rocky Mountain, uh, Ibis, of course. Uh, I believe um, that Fazari. Uh, oh, see, I'm going to forget one. Um, I think we have YT on the hook as well. I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, gosh. See, I knew that would happen. Anyway, it's <laughs> awesome. We're happy. Um, the, when we did uh, Trail Fest last year, we only had Ibis because they're amazing. Just because bike supplies are so, so bad. But they're getting a little better. So mm -hmm. we have folks and Trek. Trek Bicycle, the local stores are providing the shuttles up and down Noble, uh, which are super cool. Um, so we still have tickets available. If you go to our website and go to our calendar, you can find uh, the event and the registration. And it's a great family event um, and all the details are there. But if anybody has questions, like just feel free to, to email us and, and ask questions. But um, tickets are selling out pretty fast. Um, I'm already full on volunteers. I have lots okay. of people are banging down the door to be volunteers but uh we we have that all set and so uh now we just need to sell out the few tickets we have left awesome what's the date um oh sorry it's october 14th 15th and 16th awesome yeah that yeah. sounds super yeah. fun i love that you can camp there and do all the stuff um yeah oh, it's pretty <laughs> very cool um so I think that that's that is a great way to end it with the with the Mount Laguna and that kind of ties it all together. Um, yeah, I, I think want, I think sorry, the, go I'll, ahead. the plug I'll give again is that you know we we're at about I don't know eighteen hundred and fifty members right now, um, which is awesome. Uh, that's a pretty high level for us for membership. Um, we would love to have more. We know that there are way more mountain bikers than eighteen hundred and fifty of you uh, out there. So whether you're a gravel rider or you like the bike parks or you love single track, uh, we would love your support. Um, your membership is really, it's only 39 bucks a year. I mean, that's like half the price of a good tire. Like honestly, yeah. it's really, <laughs> really cheap. Um, and we do have higher levels of membership that get you into different VIP events. We've had a couple of really fun VIP events this summer where we do like a ride. We did one from Sport RX. Um, they're down in by Tri Canyons. They're an awesome sponsor. We had a great party after. Uh, we did one at um, Gravity Heights uh, up in Mira Mesa. You know, I did a ride in PQ and came back and had beers and it was super fun. Got a brewery tour from Skip up there at, at Gravity Heights. So those VIP events are really fun. Um, but anyway, your support is is needed. And, and we, you know, not only for 
uh, your financial support, but also when we go in to talk to an elected official or talk to, you know, somebody about a trail, we're going to say, look, we have, we have an organization of, I'd love to be able to say 2000 people. I'd love to say 2,500, right? We mm -hmm. have an, you know, 2000 paying members that are passionate about trails and they want trails for their families and, you know, for their neighborhoods. And so that's the, that's where the number is really important. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's a, a big growing population with the kids of financial power as well. And yeah, be part sure. of the, you know, yep. um, a new culture coming up, up, the, up, um, growing up and they're just little seedlings right now. But um, the, the, with the high school racing and, and different programs like that, Sprott Kids San Diego, which if you're looking something for your younger kids, Sprott Kids is amazing. Um, that these kids, and I've already seen it happen, some of these kids that are graduating as NICA student athletes, right? They're going on to school at Humboldt or Santa Cruz or wherever and becoming um, either going into forestry or coming into uh, environmental sciences or land management majors. And they're the ones that are gonna come out and be our rangers, right? And be our planners and be the people who are passionate about single track. When I get stuff done, more than likely there's a ranger that's helping us who is a mountain biker, right? And the more young people that we can get in those positions, the more trails that are gonna happen everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think just to kind of uh, book in that it's like the the adults setting the example and the kids being you know wanting to do more and yeah. um and being empowered so I think that says definitely says a lot and I'm actually going to um have sprockets on on the local legends as well so I'm really oh. excited that you gave them a little plug there <laughs> well I'm on I'm on their board as well so you know gotta <laughs> gotta do all that <laughs> yeah, that's so rad. Well, um, Susie, I just can't thank you enough for, you know, who you are and what you're doing. Um, and the, the team that you have there sounds sounds great with Alex and, and Ben there. And uh, it sounds it's just doing a really great job. And I know your trail advocacy, but you seem to be connecting as well. Um, the, yeah. the larger San Diego, there's definitely a lot of people who don't ride up here and I don't ride a lot of Chula Vista but you're getting people to get outside their own little neighborhoods so I think that says also a lot about how you're building the community from the inside so thank you for for doing that sure yeah happy happy to chat thank you for the time yeah well awesome um thanks again Susie for for being my my guest today yeah you bet thank you so much Welcome back. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I know I have a bigger appreciation for our trails and the time and energy to create and build new single track. I have linked more information about San Diego Mountain Bike Association and about the Laguna Mountain Trail Fest in the show notes. And it's funny, this conversation also inspired me to try out new trails we talked about. About two weeks after we recorded this interview, I had a blast on new single track down in Sweetwater. Also something that's super neat is to see the passion and achievements of many of the local legend guests overlap, like how Victor Sheldon's work with Quick and Dirty helps promote mountain biking and bring awareness to our trails, and how Michael Marks and BWR here in our home turf, although gravel riding, work closely with San Diego Mountain Bike Association, and also how Ranger Dave, who oversees the trails of the Coast to Crest, works closely with Simba. Our love in riding and our love for outdoors is a huge part of what Local Legends is about, and why I enjoy sharing these stories of awesome people. 
And in case you're wondering about my guitar playing, I have tackled a new song that requires bar chords and a different technique, making it a much steeper learning curve. I still take lessons regularly and practice daily. Here's a sneak peek of what I'm learning, and I'm hoping to be able to play this song before the end of the year. Thank you again for listening.